with you for the last, I think we've been with you for the last four years. Is that possible? Three, three, three years, years. Three years. And uh, I know now why Dad always, well, I've always known, I guess. Uh, of course, back when you guys were Rapid City Christian Church, as a kid, I remember him talking about going to Rapid City uh, to be with the church family and to be in your revivals and things like that. So appreciate you. And I think we have referred to this before, but just as a reminder, um, these missions that you are supporting, it's kind of interesting how we are interconnected. Um, we've worked with uh, Lincoln Christian University alumni. We have um, had uh, IDES participate in some of our projects and come alongside and help in times of disaster in Haiti and in helping with medical clinic and uh, agricultural projects in uh, Togo, West Africa. Um, Wing knew me when I was dingier than I am now, and uh, that's saying something. Back when I was, when Karen and I were teenagers, so we go, we go way, 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 way back. And of course, the Sanchez's are part of Outreach International and uh, Rock River Camp. I feel sure somewhere down the line, we have either been there or. Yeah, there it is. That was supposed to happen about three minutes ago, you know. And it was actually supposed to happen on Friday night, you know, and we couldn't get it to go. So, yeah. Anyway, we wanted you guys to, to know that. Thank you, guys. Um, of course, Wing had a much better start to his program last night, and we did that again this morning in the song service. What a great message that nothing's impossible with God. So anyway, we want you guys to know that we love you. We appreciate you. We have a long history with you. And as I'm getting older, I appreciate that heritage more and more and more. We wanted to mention to you, you can go ahead and advance that. We wanted to mention to you uh, a couple of prayer requests because we know you guys are prayer warriors. We can't do anything. Uh, it's kind of like was mentioned earlier. If we're not about leading people to Christ and we're not um, about doing what God wants done, then we, then we might as well not be around. We might as well not exist. And so your prayer support is uh, invaluable. We, we treasure that. And so we wanted to mention those things too. You can go ahead and go to the next one. That's our philosophy that motivates us every day. Everyone deserves a chance to know Jesus. That's right. And we still have a world out there that doesn't know him. I wanted to mention to you, I, I mentioned it yesterday, um, Marty and Vernon James. Marty is um, our part-time office assistant. In fact, the Sanchez's uh, mentioned how invaluable she is because when they call, she kind of handles the day-to-day -day logistics of receiving the funds, making sure they get receipted, and making sure it gets to the missionaries when the missionaries need it. So um, that's real important. And then Vernon is one of our directors. Vernon, back in the fall, was diagnosed with ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. And this disease is progressing rather quickly. Um, at this point in time, in the last two weeks, Marty has been unable to come to the office because she's caring for Vernon. And Vernon, who is very, very with it and has such a heart, he is a Lincoln, these guys are Lincoln graduates, and um, his major was missions, and he never got to go to the field, but he has always preached and, and helped, helped keep the fire lit for others to support and uh, encourage missionaries. And uh, we would just like your prayers for them. They love the Lord. They're handling this as graciously as I've known anybody to, asking that God be glorified even during this time when it, life is very difficult for them. 
And uh, in fact, I think they worry more about us and, you know, well, who's going to take care of the office work and that kind of thing? I said, hey, look, we got, the Lord's got it taken care of. So uh, please pray for them. It's Marty and Vernon James. And just pray that their prayer will be answered, that their prayer, which is that God would be glorified through this illness, through life and through death, that God would be glorified. And if you would do that for us, we would, we would appreciate that because uh, they're dear to our, to our hearts and to our missionary workers' hearts as well. Okay, next one. Okay, this is a picture of one of our Next Step missions event um, groups, okay? We do two of them every year. And this group here, I'd like to draw your attention to the young lady right in the middle with long blonde hair. I guess I'm on the cord. He's attached here. Okay, there we go. Anyway, um, one of the things that you learn as you go through the Christian life is that God uses our hardships many times to bring about good. That's hard to accept when we're young. But as we get older, we get to see that, oh, we start thinking, what is God going to do with this? With anticipation. And I'm still working on that with my ankle and my accident. But there have been opportunities to share Christ with people that I wouldn't have come in contact with otherwise. Well, the same thing is true with this young lady uh, with the blonde hair up there. She is a, lady, a young lady that we met as a result of Vernon's illness. We were looking for a van, a handicap van for Vernon. You know, the door opens and the ramp folds out. And um, we happened to find one oh, about two hours from us. Uh, and it was, um, it was owned by the parents of this young lady. And while we were visiting, after signing the paperwork on the van, uh, they shared that their daughter was a little interested in missions and been on a mission trip. We said, well... We happen to have a Next Step Missions event that she could come be a part of if she would like to. And she did. She took the initiative to call us. She came. And we learned recently that she actually, she's about 30 years old. And she resigned from her teaching job this year. So she'll be free to do whatever God has for her the next step. So without Vernon's illness, we wouldn't have met her. Now pray for her as she's making those decisions. It's a big step. And uh, her name is Sarah. Yeah. And uh, I want to encourage each of us to think about how we can be working uh, further in this, in this mission of reaching the lost. The fields are so white. We, we got to see uh, some videos yesterday about how lopsided the Christian effort is. So many of our dollars are spent right here in the States uh, where uh, we are, we're a reached area. There's, I mean, if people want to hear the gospel, it's on the radio. You can get it anywhere. But so many parts of the world, they will not hear if someone does not go. And so that is our purpose with Outreach International, to find workers for those, those jobs. If someone feels led or called by God to do something, we try to help them fulfill that calling, how, whatever it takes. And we're so thankful that you support us to do it and support uh, the workers that we support by doing that. So it's, it's a real blessing. In light of that, we want to be sure and let you know that no matter what your age, mm -hmm. that you have purpose here. And um, your purpose in glorifying God and helping to bring others to know Christ doesn't stop when, when you retire or it doesn't uh, just start when you get a job. Um, no matter what your age is, you're value, you are valuable to the kingdom of God and his work. That's why we're here. And we, we would be... Uh, doing you a disservice if we didn't tell you that you are needed 
to accomplish this task. And in our culture and in our society, it's real easy to get in this uh, mode of the American dream, the nice house, the nice car, all of those things, and forget what your real purpose is. And uh, so we don't want you to forget that. And if you need help to be reminded of, well, what can I do, then we'll be glad to, right. to let you know. Uh, there's a couple in their 70s that um, they came to us and they said, and he's been a preacher, she's involved in her uh, had been involved in her church a lot. Um, they were both uh, widowed, and they got together, and they came to us, and they said, we've known you for all these years. We decided we're going to commit to help serve in Outreach International in all we can, all the ways we can, um, whether it's by preaching in churches and, and representing outreach or whatever it is. They're in their 70s, and they said, we want to be sure that we end well and that we're giving it all. And so what an encouragement, and it, it kind of helps fan the flame for us, too. And so we want to be sure that you know you are valuable to the kingdom work, and what a great privilege. There is no greater privilege, privilege than to be able to serve, to know Jesus first, than to be able to serve him with our lives. There's no better way to spend our lives, and so we want to encourage you in that way. You can go on to the next slide, I think. And I think there's a video here. If not, we don't have to show it. Just want to remind you that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Thank you for your faith. We're here because of you. Thank you. Okay, we might just go on to the next slide that says, oh, it's short, very short. This is a tragedy. Title of the article... Start now, retire early, February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. Don't buy that dream. The American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement. Collecting shells. As the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, look at my boat, God. And I just have to mention in relation to that, that uh, when I was struggling with the decision to give up farming and go full-time in ministry, I had a dream. And in that dream, I stood before the Lord, and he asked me what I did with what I had. And I started talking to him about farming, how many cattle we had, and the crops, and all that stuff. 
And he said, but what did you do with what I gave you? And my hands were kind of empty on that. Even though I had served the Lord, I knew I could do more. And so that video kind of relates to me in that way. Uh, I don't want to go up there and show my seashells, you know, or my boat or any of that stuff. What about the people that we've reached out to? So by you all helping all the missionaries here, you're helping with a bigger cause. And if we can help you in any way, let us know. Okay, thanks. We do love you guys. We really do. Thank you. All right. My privilege to introduce my good friend, David Upchurch. Thanks for coming again, man. We didn't scare you away last year. You just keep coming. <laughs> Can I move this? Yes. Okay. That was a rhetorical question. I was going to do it no matter what you said. Because once again, my mantra, what are you going to do, fire me? Well, who's ready for some good news? Okay, remember your part? I point and you say good news? Yesterday the Cubs and Cardinals both won, and that's? I figure I'd make everybody happy there. The sun is shining today, and that's? There are missionaries in the house, and that's? Wing Wong preached a great sermon last night, and that's? I'm not going to talk very long, and that's? But now that's just partway there because after I give the LCU thing, I'm going to preach for a long time. And so, and that's, oh, come on. Wing wore this last night, and I was kind of hoping he told the story about his son speaking Mandarin and didn't really know Mandarin. And, and I'm thinking, I'm going to be able to speak Mandarin. And the only thing that comes to mind is fried rice. That's the only thing that, that came to me today, Wing. It didn't work, I don't think. Hey, I, I appreciate the partnerships, and uh, it's been talked about several times. And, and as uh, Leslie was talking today, I, I thought the partnerships, and I just started jotting some things down that uh, just that I'm seeing this weekend. And that's, you know, when families are strong, I see this whole family sitting right here. I see families in the church. When the families are strong, churches are strong. And when the churches are strong, then our camps are strong. And when our camps are strong, it really helps our Bible colleges, our Christian colleges to be strong and grow because that's where I don't think I'm the only one who stood at campfire and made a commitment to go to Bible college one day. And when our camps are strong, you know, our Christian colleges are strong, when our Christian colleges are strong, there's a greater impact on the world uh, and the kingdom because of missionaries. So I, that, that concept of partnerships is, is so Important. I thought about that with with IDES. You know, it's not just what IDES themselves do, but just the impact that IDES has had. That there are so many churches today that that volunteer and they go, and they're not connected with IDES, but they've been impacted by IDES. They've, they've been impacted by the example. And I was in Haiti several years ago after the the terrible earthquake. And one of the things that the people in Haiti were telling me was that long after the cameras leave. And the media leaves, the churches are still there. And I, I think that we have to look at IDES and say thank you uh, for the impact that you've had, not just as a ministry, but on, on the kingdom. Two of my favorite days on, uh, on campus is move-in day and graduation day. Move-in day, you see all the freshmen coming in, and, and, and sometimes you see them come in and you think, what in the world is God going to do with them? <laughs> Then graduation day, you think, how on earth did they make it? But they did. 
and they graduate. And I find myself, and this year is an example of thinking, oh my, I hate to see some of those students go. You know, campus isn't going to be the same next year. But then next year, the freshmen come in, the juniors or seniors, and, and it just, it's been doing that for 75 years on the campus of Lincoln Christian University. Next Saturday is our graduation, and it's the 75th year on the day. May 4th is the 75th anniversary of Lincoln Bible Institute being established by Earl C. Hargrove. He had a dream in 1944. The, the, the towns and the churches, you know, the, the World War II was going on. The churches were empty, closing, pulpits were empty, and he had a dream, and he said, the preachers are coming, the preachers are coming. And in the last 75 years, there's been over 18,000 alum who have gone through the doors of LBI, LCC, and now LCU. And this is a, a thing that uh, I think God is the only one who could have uh, orchestrated this. On that 75th anniversary, Earl C. Hargrove's great-grandson is going to graduate with a preaching degree. Man, God is good. Some of our recent graduates uh, are preaching and teaching in public schools, and they're working as social workers and missionaries. And there's a young man named Spencer that... He played baseball for us. He was in my spiritual formation group. And I've got to be honest with you, when, when he came to campus, I thought, oh, boy, I don't know if he's going to make it. And not only did he make it, he left for a semester. And he thought, no, God, God wants me. He came back. He graduated with a business degree. And he just put on Facebook that he was hired by the Kansas City Royals. And he is in an executive training type of position. And, and I think, how is God going to use him. It's not just the preachers and it's not just the missionaries, but God uses us in the world in a variety of ways. And, and here's what I'm starting to pray for. Please pray with this. I'm praying that Spencer gets to know some of those high-paid baseball players and they start giving their money to the kingdom of God. It is an honor to be here, um, to be among giants. And it's what I consider the missionaries, you're giants. My first time here was in 2017. And I've got to confess, I had a bad attitude as I was driving up here because it was, uh, it was graduation weekend and, and I was graduating with uh, a second master's degree and I had to leave early. I mean, I got to walk, but then I left early. I had to get up. I'm thinking, I have to get up there. I have to get up there. And that was my attitude when I got here. And I, I still remember the, the Weatherheads presenting the Bible from PBT. And man, I thought, oh, that, that's pretty cool. How long have you been... Um, partnering with the Weatherheads, and, and you're able to get that, that Bible that took so many years uh, to translate. And then I sat right down here, and I saw the, the thermometer just keep going higher and higher, and he exceeded the goal, and I had tears in my eyes. And I, on the way home, I said, okay, God, I got it. And instead of thinking, why did I have to come, it was, where else would I rather be? I mean, this is one of the greatest experiences. And that's why the last two years, it's just been a privilege uh, for me to be able to come and, and be a part of this. So now I'm going to preach a really long sermon. And that's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Junior, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to punt. Uh, take, take the PowerPoint off, okay? Um, it is uh, five minutes till lunchtime. And I cannot preach a 30-minute sermon in five minutes. And uh, I know that you really want to hear every word that I wrote, but you really want to eat. And so I'm going to, it's not going to be five minutes, but it won't be quite as long as it would have been. And so I, I'm going to skip some things. I don't want to 
confuse or frustrate you, and so let's just do this old school. Is that okay? Good, we're doing it anyway. In 1995, I traveled to Congo for the first time. Uh, My kids were 12, 10, and 7 years old, and even though I was pretty confident everything would be okay, it was my first trip that far away, first trip to Africa, and I, I thought, man, just in case something happens to me, I want to have a conversation with each of my kids that they will remember. Uh, something that was important. So I took each of them out to eat individually, and, and I talked about important things. And, and I, I didn't preface it with, kids, daddy may not be coming home. You know, I, I didn't want to have, have them have nightmares, but I, I did want them to have something to remember and, and, and something that was important. I, I didn't talk to them about picking up their rooms and, and eating their vegetables and things like that. I, I, I thought if something happens to me, which I found out there, there was a possibility because there were three of us that went, uh, a week after we got home, one was in the hospital with malaria, and one died from cerebral malaria. And so it, it was a possibility. But I wanted them to remember that last conversation that they had with their dad. Final words are important. And so I want to use a, a passage today that, that it, it probably doesn't appear to be a faith promise passage. But I just want you to bear with me because I... I believe there's a great connection. It is probably a passage that would have been more appropriate a couple of weeks ago for Palm Sunday or a Good Friday service because it comes from Jesus' final words, among his final words on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, we read, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourselves and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. This man turns his attention to Jesus. And and we don't know anything about this man other than he was a thief. He was getting what he deserved. He was being crucified We don't know much about him, but we know one thing. He didn't want to be forgotten. And so he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. I I want to try to connect this to, to why we're here today. In Jesus' last words from the cross, we see a review of his purpose. If you turn the clock back three years, in Luke 5, Jesus is, is starting to call his disciples, and he comes across a tax collector named Levi. And, and you know, tax collectors have never been the most popular people in the world. And I don't think there's ever been a time where uh, the head of the IRS has been people's man of the year or uh, most influential person or most admired person. And back in Jesus' day, it was even worse because they not only... Uh, took taxes from the the Jewish people to give to the Roman oppressors, but they skimmed off the top as well. They were thieves. And Jesus comes and he stops at this tax collector's booth. And I wonder if the people with him thought, oh, now this is going to be good. Because remember, they were expecting an earthly Messiah. Someone was going to come up and set an earthly kingdom. And I wonder if they thought he was going to come up and kick over the stand and say, enough is enough. We're not going to take it anymore. I'm here to start a revolution. If it was a made-for-movie scene, like Braveheart, Jesus would kick it over and say, Freedom! And the revolution begins, but that's not what he did. He just stopped, and he looked at that man, and he said, Follow me. 
And that's what he did. He took this man who was far from God and invited him to come hang out with him and love him. And the religious leaders of the day weren't very impressed. That, that night we read that, that Levi had a Matthew, who became Matthew, he had a party and he invited all these people, other tax collectors and sinners, because the Pharisees noticed the people who were there. And, and if you look at who the lowest of the low would have hung out with, more than likely there were prostitutes there, there were people who drank too much there, there were thieves there, there were the outcasts of society who would have been gathered there. And the Pharisees said, why, to the other disciples, why does he hang out with sinners? And Jesus overheard the question and he gave this answer. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And in those two sentences, Jesus pretty well defined his mission. He said, this is why I came. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm here to call sinners to repentance. I'm here so that sinners can come to repentance so that they can spend eternity in heaven with God the Father. It's like he looked around at the people gathered for the dinner and said, these are my people. This is why I came. Jesus' purpose was to seek and save the lost, to take people who were far from God and welcome them into the kingdom. And we see that day in and day out for three years. So really, it should be no surprise that as he's hanging on the cross, getting ready to die, one of his final conversations was with this sinner who says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I almost picture Jesus smiling and saying, remember you, you're why I came. You're why I came. This is what it's all about. We see a a reminder of Jesus' purpose. But then second, we, we see a reminder of Jesus' promise. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise my guess is there's one verse that is probably the best-known verse in the Bible, and it's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That was easy, early on in Jesus' ministry. And then later, as Jesus was, again, at, at the close of his ministry, in John 14, he says, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Is it because then you can go and spend eternity with me in my father's house? There's a common thread in those. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me. I read the words of a commentator not too long ago that stated, paradise is where God dwells with his people. You know, there's so many things I don't understand about what happens after we die. Do we go to paradise? Do we go to heaven? What, what happens? There are things I don't know. And to be honest, there are things I don't care about. All I know is we go to be with Jesus. And that's where I want to be. I don't care if it's in a place called paradise. I don't care if it's in heaven. All I care is that we will be with Jesus. And that's what heaven is. You know, heaven is a beautiful place. When our kids were little, I remember going to a, a motel for the very first time. And to let you know what a big spender I am, the first motel I ever took my family to, my kids, was a Motel 6. <laughs> and I remember walking in, and, and they were probably 5, 4, and 1, something like that. And, and we opened the door, and Cindy looked at me, and I looked at her, and I... And, 
uh-oh, four different kinds of wallpaper. <laughs> the wallpaper didn't even match. And we thought, oh, this is not good. And Matt, our, our three- or four-year-old, he goes running in. He goes, it's got beds. <laughs> it's got a TV. Pick up, it's got a phone. He ran into the bathroom. He came running out. It's got soaps. He was so excited. They loved the Motel 6. We were going later that year down to Louisville, Kentucky. The North American Christian Convention was being held in there. We had reservations at the Executive Inn, which is a pretty nice hotel. And all the way down, the kids kept saying, is it a, is it a hotel like Motel 6? Does it have rooms like the Motel 6? Does it have beds like the Motel 6? Does it have a pool like the Motel 6? They couldn't picture anything better than the Motel 6. Now, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I, I know we read about the streets of gold and all the, the, those precious stones and all that. But to me, God is, is giving us a description that somehow helps to describe the indescribable. And I just wonder if when we get to heaven, we're, we're going to think, man, what we pictured heaven being is like the Motel 6. But this is not, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful place. I've done hundreds of funerals in the last 41 years, and, and sometimes people will try to describe what they think heaven's like uh, based on the interest, what their loved one loved to do. I've, I've had people say, you know, if the person's a fisherman, I just picture him now fishing in the lakes in heaven. If they were a gardener, I just picture him or her growing flowers and vegetables in the, the gardens of heaven. I had one one time, and his, his dad loved to golf, and he said, I, I just picture that golf on those golf courses in heaven. And I looked at him and he said... I don't think so. He said, what? I said, well, I don't think there's going to be golf in heaven because I'm pretty sure there's not going to be cussing in heaven. And, and so <laughs> it's going to be a perfect place. It's going to be a beautiful place. It's going to be this perfect place. We're going to have perfect bodies. Amen? Man, there's so many things as older I get that are, are, are starting to break down and ache and all that. And I appreciate some of you who will... Remind me it doesn't get better. <laughs> it's going to be this perfect place. It's going to be a permanent place. No matter how long we live, how good life might be here, there's a time when this is over. This isn't permanent. I, I think I shared with you uh, maybe last year about when I was in, in uh, Nairobi, Kenya, and there's a gatekeeper that we had in exchange, got to be friends, and as I was leaving, uh, he, he dives in the window and he takes my hands and he said, if I don't see you again here, I'll see you in heaven. And that's, that's what I, I, I picture heaven. You know, no matter how good life is here, one of the hardest words in the world is the word goodbye. We, we've moved three different times from three, three churches and, and uh, just saying goodbye to people you love, that's hard. But there'll be a day when we don't have to say goodbye because we'll be together forever. And there's going to be a place that's a Jesus place. Um, there are so many things about heaven I'm looking forward to. The, but the most important thing is that's where we're going to be with Jesus for all of eternity. So we see a, a reminder uh, of the promise that Jesus made of eternal life. And then finally, we see a reminder of our purpose. We see Jesus' purpose, but we're given a reminder of our purpose because our purpose is supposed to be the same as that of Jesus. Sometimes in the church, we can get caught up in doing a lot of good things, and they are good things, but they have nothing to do with helping people get to heaven. 
Sometimes I look at church calendars and they're just full of things that have nothing to do with reaching someone for Jesus or helping them grow in their faith. We know that our our mission comes from the Great Commission about make disciples of all nations. In Acts 1, Jesus gives us a, a paraphrase of that when he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the thing I love about Jesus' mission that he gives us, the instructions are not complicated. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand them. They're not difficult to interpret. You don't have to be a theologian to try to figure out what Jesus really meant. They're simple. You're to be my witnesses. You're to tell people, whether they live across the street or across the ocean, about the good news of Jesus. So church, I I believe it's time for churches to wake up and remember who we are and why we're here. I I don't want to stand before God someday. I I, I appreciate your your dream. I appreciate that, that video. I don't want to stand before God someday and hear Jesus ask, what did you do to get people to heaven? And maybe I try to offer an answer like, did you see how nice our building looked? Did you notice how many church softball trophies we had? We, we cleaned up in the church softball league. Did you notice we had some really good fellowship dinners? Were you listening in on some of the deep Bible studies we had? Jesus, we worked hard to stay holy, and we made sure that those awful sinners didn't come in. And then perhaps, just perhaps, there would be Jesus, tears in Jesus' eyes as he answers those awful sinners are what it's all about. That's why I came. That's what you were supposed to do. That was your mission. When I was in high school, our youth group attended a Christ in Youth conference, and I remember Bob Stacy, the, the founder and president of, of Christ in Youth, preaching one night, and he asked us to write a prayer in the front or the back cover of our Bibles, and, and he said, please look at this and pray this every day. And it went like this. Father, help me to never get used to seeing men and women and boys and girls go to hell. And I want to suggest to you that needs to be the prayer of so many churches today who are missing it. Because it's so easy to gather in a place like this and and we have fellowship and we have a good time and we pat ourselves on the back and we go home. But what what have we done to help people get to heaven? I'm thankful to be at a church this morning that's committed to carrying out the Great Commission because you partner with missionaries in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. But let me wrap up with this reminder. Faith promise is not simply an annual event. It's not simply a time to emphasize missions. Faith promise is a reminder of who we are and why we're here. The last two years, I've had the privilege of teaching a two-week course on church leadership in a Bible institute in, uh, in Mexico, last year in Monterey, this year in Mexico City. And on the last night of the class, um, I, I'd gotten pretty close to this 
this class. There, there were about 50 or 60 people in this church that came every night. And I, I shared with my, I kind of understood about Paul and the elders of Ephesus when they weren't going to see each other again and, and we read that they cried, they wept. I understood that. I was ready to get home and see my, my uh, wife and my grandkids, but it was hard to leave them. So I, I, I told them my, my conclusion for the lesson that day was a story about the gatekeeper in Nairobi who told me, if I don't see you again here, I'll, I'll see you in heaven. And I said, so here are my final words to you. And I don't speak Spanish at all. And I forgot there were going to be Spanish speakers here. And so I will really mess this up. But I've got an app and it translates. It goes something like this. Si o no te vuelvo a ver aquí, te veo en cielo. Which is Spanish for if I don't see you again here, I will see you in heaven. And there was applause and laughter and tears as we celebrated being able to spend not just two weeks together, but eternity in heaven together. And that's what this weekend is all about. That's why we're here. And the mission is not impossible if we are committed to the purpose of seeking and saving the lost. That's who we are. That's why we're here. Let's be faithful. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this weekend. Just a reminder, Father, of who we are and why we're here. And God, I pray for this church. I pray that you would bless them in the days to come. I pray for the individuals and the families, Father, as they prepare to make these these faith promises to you. I pray that they would step out on faith. God, I pray that they wouldn't walk by sight, but they walk walk by faith, and they would trust that you are going to bless them so that they can be a blessing to others. And God, I pray that because of what they are able to give in partnerships with missionaries around the world, I pray, Father, that there would be men and women and boys and girls in heaven one day. Father, remind us who we are and why we're here and help us to be faithful. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could you come on up? So, so how, how close are we? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. I don't want to limit your giving. We're no longer here. guessing that God probably has not given you an extra gift in the last half hour since we took the offering. But I'm telling you that if you have faith, he will. You know, it, mm-hmm. I just, I'm just amazed if we were going to run a mile race and we stumbled and fell with five yards to go, We'd say, darn it. You know, this is our last chance to reach the top for this year. Because in just a few minutes, we're going to make our promise, our, our faith, pledge, faith promise for next year. And every, every, all the money that we take in after today is going to go to next year.
We're so close. Can we pass the plates again? We can. Do can we I have, have the four, four servers? That, or how are they going? We need somebody to ush. You know what? Why don't you stand up so you can reach your wallet easily? <laughs> <laughs> we just have two plates. We'll just pass them back and forth on each side. Maybe we should sing while we're doing this. Yeah, let's do that. We're going to sing our last song, Carry the Light.